Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. We rejoice and we're glad in it. Thank you for your word, which is a light unto our feet. Thank you for the bread of life that nourishes our spirit. Thank you because you have said in your word that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We want to be attentive this morning, O God, to your voice, to the words that are in the Bible that uh, serve as a good seed planted in good hearts that will give forth a good fruit, a harvest that glorifies your name, Lord. Uh, Your word will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word abides forever. We pray that your word, Father God, will serve as a double-edged sword cut deep into our heart, into our spirit, and minister to us so that we might live, so that we might flourish, so that we might prosper in all things, Lord. Let this word be our meditation in our hearts day and night so that we would give forth, O God, uh, the goodness that you sow into our lives. Bless your word, that nothing would hinder your word, that there would be no distraction. Cover us today with the blood of Jesus. Surround this place with a hedge of thorns and let your angels encamp around us, we pray in Jesus' name and all the people say amen. Um, you know, we've had, it's been since January, we've been running through a multitude of weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, I was going to take one of these months off. I was going to take like April off because I've been nonstop since January. And so I said, let me, well, then April came and we celebrated our 21st anniversary. Uh, now we're in May. This is May 5th. And, um, and I, I still, there's an urgency about what is taking place that God would have us understand. But in the midst of the celebration, some people get lost. Um, uh, the, the most foolish acts uh, done in the earth are people who celebrate before season or in the middle of a celebration, something transpires. Uh, just recently, um, there was a bridge that was built here in Miami. It was uh, celebrated, and, 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 and it was going to bring a lot of uh, convenience to the students of Florida International University, and all of a sudden, it collapses, and six people die, eight people get injured, and um, over $42 million were given to the families of these people that died. That was decided this week. And so in the midst of celebration, in the midst of prosperity and blessing and so many great things are happening, sometimes we, um, we misrepresent uh, what is taking place. They actually found out that the bridge did not have the integrity to be celebrated or to stay up. And so it was a great bridge. It was a modern bridge. The technology was through the roof, but they forgot minor things, and then the collapse happens. Um, in fact, one, that morning, uh, one lady saw a car behind her, like rushing her, and she's like, be your guest. Go in front of me. And she let the car pass, and that was the car the bridge fell upon. Uh, her generosity paid off that morning. Uh, her kindness um, but, but the person that was in a rush and, and unbeknownst to them, they got crushed under great weight of cement. Um, so uh, we need to, I want to, as a pastor of this church, uh, call a temporary timeout and to step back and consider before we go forward. Because so many things are happening so fast in our church 
Uh, there's so much celebration. I was telling the kids on Friday night, it seems like this church has a party every day. If not every day, twice a day on the weekends, uh, there's either somebody's birthday or a bridal shower or a baby shower. Some, somebody's buying a house. Somebody's, I, I don't know, but it's just, it's intense um, celebration. Um, according to Proverbs 15, 15, we all know what that says, right? That the righteous shall have a continual feast. And that's true in this house. Uh, make, it, make it your favorite verse. When somebody is always telling you you're having a good time, you take them to Proverbs 15, 15. And it says there, we'll put it up on the screen. It says, all the days of the afflicted are evil. But those who are of a merry heart, those who have joy, Christ in their heart, have a continual feast. And that, that, that could say spring of life is a nonstop party. Uh, for the last 21 years. But in the midst of this celebration, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 5, uh, 2 Samuel 6, 5, it says that all of Israel, together with David and the house of Israel, they were playing music before the Lord with all kinds of instruments, uh, wood, harps, string instruments, tambourines, sistrum, cymbals. Everybody was in celebration mode. Everybody was excited about what was taking place. If you go back to verse 1, you'll see that David was planning to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And David gathered all the choice leaders of Israel. Uh, they seemed to be about 30,000 of these men who were leaders in Israel. And he gathered them all, verse 2, and told them, uh, let's go up with all those who were with him. Um, to Baal Judah to bring up the ark of God whose name is called uh, by the name of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherub. Uh, David wanted the presence of God to come closer to home. It was on the outskirts of town and he gathered the men and he says you guys help me bring the ark of the covenant. The ark of the covenant made out of gold with two angels the presence of God in the midst of those angels would direct Israel with a word from the Lord. Verse 3, as they were attempting to bring the Ark of the Covenant, they set the Ark on a new cart. Everybody say new cart. Don't try to uh, invent the wheel, right? Reinvent the wheel. Uh, there was not supposed to be a new cart. There's no way in which you can bring up how you're going to grow in the things of the Lord that is new and, and you're the cool man and you, you got things together. No, you want to seek the ancient paths. You want to find out how God wants you to do things and no new ideas. Uh, and that for contemporary people, progressives, is a little problematic. Uh, every time I go on TV, they, they, they accuse me of being out of date they're like you're so like weird you you don't believe in modern progression I say well you know something I like to build the way God builds uh, I think that's the motto to Ford built to last right or is that Chevy we don't know but I want to build things that last not build things that fall apart so we always say in this house uh, the purpose of being wise is to listen to instruction the fool has no appetite for instruction. The opposite of instruction is destruction. So if you don't want to know, and I have my, my office is filled on a weekly basis with people trying to do life without listening to God. 
And so this is our, not only our owner's manual, it's our builder's manual. This is how you build your life. And when you build your life according to the word of God, it doesn't fall apart. And you don't want to go fast and furious. Here they're celebrating bringing the Ark of the Covenant. They're thinking about God. They're thinking about bringing God into the picture. But they're thinking about bringing him in a new way. And so that's what it says there in verse 3. They place the Ark of God on a new cart. There are no new ideas when it comes to God. These are ancient truths. These things are, have been around since God has been around, and he's the one that's given us this instruction. They put the Ark of the Covenant on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, and which was on the hill, accompanying the Ark of God, and Ahio went before the Ark. Verse 5. In the midst of them bringing the Ark to Jerusalem, David and all the house, they celebrated. I want to say something about our celebration for the past 21 years. Uh, a lot of times when you're celebrating, you're taking things lightly, and that's when you unexpectedly get wiped out. And, and over the last 21 years, people who, in the midst of celebration, in the midst of everything going good, they grow familiar and they say, well, this is the time for me to act out improperly. This is the time for me to do something that is not according to orthodoxy and convention. Verse 6 says, in the midst of the celebration, when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzzah, uh, this gentleman, put his hand out and touched the Ark of the Covenant that was being pulled by oxen. The oxen stumbled, they went over a bump in the road, and all of a sudden the ark started moving. He put his hand out and put it on the ark. Uh, this is one of the saddest days in the life of King David. Because in the midst of him celebrating God, in the midst of him having a great time with the people of Israel, all of a sudden, verse 7, when this man Uzzah put his hand out, the angel of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah and God struck him there for his error and he died there by the ark of God. So listen to this here and, and, and I hope you're not tuned out by the, by the normalcy of this sermon that's been going on now for an introduction period. Um, these matters of spiritual weight have consequence. A lot of people don't. They come to church and they think this is not really important uh, from one to a hundred. I could give it a 10 of importancy and since we're in celebration mode, no. In the midst of these severely serious things, God is overseeing this party. He's overseeing the celebration. He's overseeing the intention of man's heart and a man who is close to David is stricken dead in an instant. Caught everybody off guard. Um, when you try and figure out what happened, then you start saying, oh, we weren't careful with following the manual. We weren't careful with making sure there was a reverence. I've called this a reverence in building spiritual lives. We can never, it doesn't matter what's happening and how great the revival is, we cannot lose our reverence for how God wants us to conduct ourselves. 
Super important. Our spiritual lives are super important. Each one of these poles in this picture uh, are a support system to the general whole. Those people that are in construction could appreciate it more than I can. I'm not into construction with regards to physical matters, but I have, listen to me, I've gone into people's homes, and when I see the lack of structural integrity, I've turned to my pastor, Jose, and I said, let's get the hell out of here before this family falls on top of us. I've, I've done that. Now, I know that there's contractors here, there's architects, there's builders, there's all manner of engineers, and they're concerned about the collapse of structure. I'm concerned of the collapse of lives. I don't want them to be over my children when they collapse. I don't want to find myself inside a family structure that has not kept the integrity of the construction and have it collapse and, and me be the sucker there that is, that is walking into an unsafe structure. Uh, you'll see that, that as we pull into this a little bit closer, that consequence of this man dying caused David. Uh, we'll go there real quickly. Verse 7, no, verse 8. David became both angry and sad. David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Yusa. David says, why does a man have to die when we're trying to do something that's right? Something for God. We're in church. We're, we're, we're bringing the presence of God to our home. Why is there loss? And they called that place the day of the death of this man. Perez, you saw to this day. Uh, verse 9 says, As a consequence of David's sadness and of his anger, he became afraid of God. A lot of people, when they experience the judgment of God, the collapse of something that they didn't build right, they start blaming God. They said, that's why I don't go to church. That's why I don't read the Bible. That's why uh, I want to be as far away from that place because they get scared. David was scared of the Lord that day and, and said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? How am I supposed to have a relationship with God when he's treating me, say with me, so severely? It doesn't matter who you are as a Christian. This, this is not, today is not a heyday of celebration. Woo! Today is a, whoa, let's, let's back off a little bit and find out what's the intention of our heart. How are we building? How are we proceeding? How are we going along? Um, on Friday, I had the opportunity to share with Joshua's group again, and, and we met with a group of about 25 young people, and, and we talked about building families. We, we, we talked about God, is a, a, he's a, a master builder, and he gets to, to know what are the dynamics of putting a family together. A lot of people just go with the flow, and all of a sudden, 15 years into their family, they lose their wife, they lose their husband, they lose their children. They're like, what happened? What happened? You didn't follow the blueprint, sir. You had no roadmap. You didn't ask anybody. You didn't have an engineer, an architect. You didn't have a contractor. You didn't have a builder. You were building a spit. I don't know what they what, what are they called. Uh, um, you were building something that was just a little, a little. It would fall apart. You're putting things together with saliva, and you're supposed to use cement. You're supposed to use concrete stuff, stuff to last. 
Uh, and by the way, valuable things last longer than invaluable things. The temporary things perish. Why are gold and diamonds so precious? Because they last the longest. They figured that when a city was, was burned alive, the only thing that was left was the diamond and the gold. Everything else burned up. So the Bible says when you're going to build, build with precious things. And some of you are putting your spiritual lives together with spit and saliva. And, and you guys are going to pay a pretty penny because you, you didn't give it the precious, valuable stuff. A, a lot of people tell me, but it's hard. I say, yeah, it's hard. It takes time to build with better materials. Hey, the three little pigs, uh, forget about it. Let's not go there. Maybe some of you need to hear about the three little pigs again, that the guy who built with hay built it in a day. Hey, that matched. I was a poet. Didn't know it. He built with hay. He was done in a half hour. If you think your spiritual life is so fanciful and you can build it in a second, you're a fool because it takes a lifetime. It takes a lifetime of molding and making sure you're putting things in the right place. But here David was sad. He was angry. He says, I, I'm, I'm afraid of God. And so therefore, verse 10 says, David was unwilling to move the ark into the city of David with him. Instead, he left it at somebody else's house. Let this be somebody else's responsibility. So the ark remained in the house of Obed-Edom, verse 11, and for months, and the Lord blessed him and his whole household. The person that was able to, to allow the presence of God to dwell in his home in an appropriate fashion, he prospered. And David says that he, verse 10, that he refused. David would not move the ark of the Lord with him. It's, it's, it's high intensity. This matter of spiritual building is not for the faint-hearted. It's not for the weak. You have to be valiant and courageous. And so as we continue to read, uh, we have verses. Um, we could go on to Exodus chapter 25, verse 10. And God talks about putting the ark of the covenant together. And he says, as you build this thing, you, verse 11, you shall overlay it with pure gold inside and out. You shall make these gold moldings around it. Verse 12, you shall cast four rings and fasten it on each corner. Two rings shall be on the overlay of the gold. Verse 14, you shall put poles into these rings. Hey, it's not a new cart. It's four rings. It's two poles. It's men who carry the ark. Well, what made you think that you could have the modern hip mentality of, of a new ark? I don't know what that means in modern terms. I just do know that they did not consult with the wisdom of carrying this thing appropriately. Verse 15, this ark may be carried through these poles. The poles shall be in the rings. They shall not be taken from it. Don't remove the poles. Don't remove the rings. Don't make your Christian life an easy thing that you could do in the microwave for five minutes and think you're going to, you know, the Wellington Boone says you can't get 100% return on half the effort. You can't play with the things of God. You better give God the time it takes to fashion these matters out. And it says that if you do the appropriate thing, verse 22, I will meet with you right there at the ark. How many want God to meet with them? Absolutely. And I'll give you commandments. I'll speak to you. I'll lead you. I'll direct you. But let me be God. Don't get so modern that you, you play God out of 
these affairs. First Chronicles 15, 11, David called the men who were in charge to carry the ark. It's not to be pulled by ox. It's to be carried by men. It's not to be pulled by animals. Call the priests. Verse 12, David called these men and asked them, how are you guys going to bring the ark here? And he said to them, you are the heads of the fathers of the houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves that you might bring up the ark of the Lord to the place I have prepared for. I want God in my life. I want God in my family. I want God to be part of my existence. Make preparations. Make it holy, verse 3. I mean, verse 13. For because you did not do it the first time. What? Because you were descuidado, negligent. Because you did not attend to do it right the first time, the Lord your God broke out against us. Because we did not consult him about the proper order. So, forgive my yelling, but I'm getting through. Listen, let's do it right. I, I, I've learned that now in Christianity. Why not do it right the first time? Why not do it awesome? Why don't you do your marriage right the first time? Why don't you do your family right the first time? Why don't you allow yourself to be led in the order of God so that you might prosper and you might flourish and that you might be blessed? Hey, the nature of our sin allows us to come up with creative ways to think we could serve God. In America, they say, don't use up Sunday because Sunday is our holiday and we go to the beach on Sunday. Let's meet on Saturday night. Let our Sunday serve. Listen, you imbecile, with all due respect, who thought that you could accommodate God to your convenience? Who thought that you could serve God your way? You're insane. You've gone mad. Somebody has cursed you. So the pastors, they say, well, nobody will come out on Sunday, so we will appease the convenience and accommodate the cowards that want to use the Lord's day for their pleasure when the Bible says not to. Isaiah 58. Read it. And David says, listen, because you did not carry this the first time, the Lord's wrath broke out against us. There's people that live today like if God has no longer any relevance to anything we do. I had one pastor that says, God is not that serious about these things. Those were famous last words before the devastation destroyed his life, his wife, his children, his ministry, because he says God doesn't take these things so serious. Listen, if there's anything I know about God, he's a serious God. Amen. And if you still don't tremble, the Bible says the demons fear and tremble. How about you? Nonchalant, comfortable, sat back in your sofa, and you think that God is no longer a serious God? Somebody's deceived you. I want to say that God wants to put all things in order. Amen. I'll say my own amen. God wants to establish his order in all things. There's nothing that God takes lightly, especially when he's building our spiritual lives. Especially. He takes care to make sure the foundation is proper. There is no other foundation that could be laid except Christ. 
He can't use anything else. The building will fall. The cornerstone is Christ, his son. And so he says, you guys messed up and did it wrong the first time. And look how God uh, came against us, 1 Chronicles 15, 14. So the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord. Verse 15, the Levites carried the ark no longer on a new cart, no longer pulled with oxen, no longer convenient and comfortable, but on their shoulders with poles, as Moses commanded in accordance with the word of the Lord. Somebody asked, why does it have to be on men's shoulders, on poles, through rings? This is God wants to leave the next generation with some footprints. Because that when the glory weighs the footprints on the ground, on the sand, some people could follow. You can't do that on a cart. You can't do that following wheels. It takes men that go ahead of us and show you the way so that you can do it like they did it. So that you can have the same courage that the men who went before you carried the presence of God. It's a severe thing. So they learned how to do it right. Hebrews 12, 28. We're not in the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. We're not to take things uh, lightly because we're in the New Testament of grace. No, my friend. Since we're receiving New, New Testament, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace to serve God acceptably the way he wants it done, with reverence and godly fear. One of the disciples says, knowing the wrath of God, we persuade men because they know the severity of God, how strict and severe God can be. Let's not play around. How many ever thought you were playing with your dad until he pulled out the lightning rod and grabbed your behind and lit it up? And you're like, but I thought you were playing. Well, I was playing, but you don't disrespect me. You guys need fathers. Some of you need spankings. Some of you need to go back to the old days, to the wrath of dad. Now you play with him. Uh, the Cubans say play with the chain, but not with the monkey. Don't, don't mess around with a holy God. We don't know. And the Bible says in verse 29, because our God is a consuming fire. My friend, who the thunk? Is that a word? School teachers? Who would have thought that our God has the righteous judgment of God? So in the midst of our celebration, spring of life, 21 years, great. Praise God. But let's be humble. Let's be fearful people. Let's be meek people. One word out of the mouth of Miriam, she lit up with leprosy. One word. And, and you know something? In the modern move of revival, people don't like a message like this. But I've been around for too long. And I've seen people get super comfortable and laid back and convenient and comfortable. And they touch what should not be touched. Uzzah wasn't doing, according to his perception, he was being helpful. Why would God strike him? Ask God where you're to be helpful and how you're to move. Because I've seen it for 21 years. The, the convenience of not knowing God. So then Paul says like this. He's, he says, I'm a master builder. I got to get going. 1 Corinthians 3.10, according to this grace God has given me to prepare, uh, be, prepare me to this task as a master builder. Say with me, master builder. God has given wisdom to some men how to build. 
how to put things together, how not to be, listen, phony. Don't build phony because it's gonna come down on your head, your kid's head, on your, on your great, you're gonna have things that God did not have for you to have, but you built with faulty material. I was involved when I first came out of law school with Country Walk. It was a, a set of residential buildings here. And Hurricane Andrew came and knocked down all those houses. And they said, wait a second, it wasn't Hurricane Andrew. It was faulty construction. And I saw the pictures of the inside of the houses. And every time they, they, they hammered a big nail to the trusses, it missed the truss. So those boards were loose because the guys up there were fumando marijuana. They were nuts. They were building fast. We don't have time to see how we're building. All the nails missed the trusses. The wind came by and took the roof off the house. How are you building your spiritual lives? With spit and saliva? My friend, you're not a Christian that will withstand the times. It says, I'm a master builder. I've laid a foundation, and then another one will build on it. Let each one take heed how he builds. Why do I have to share this? I know some of you are just putting things together. However, oh, pastor wants us. I got so upset at Louis Rodriguez. He was rebuilding my house. And he was doing engineering studies on hurricane winds. I said, Louis, <laughs> leave me alone. Why do you want to be? You're building a bunker. I don't need a bunker. I need a house. He's like, no, because hurricane winds of 150 miles an hour. I was like, Louis, that doesn't happen but once every 50 years. Leave me alone. Hey, Louis, why don't you build your family like that? Why don't you care about your children the way you care about physical buildings? Why don't you plot and draw engineering studies to determine how your house will fall when the devil huffs and bluffs? What is it? Huffs and puffs and blows you to kingdom come, you imbecile. I didn't say that to Louis. Why do we care about physical things and we don't care about the long-term spiritual things? And Paul is saying another one will build. Be careful how you build, verse 11, because some of you, no one other can lay a foundation but Jesus Christ, solid. If you don't have Christ in your life, you're coming down. It's just a matter of time. Everybody says amen. amen. End of story. We don't have to discuss that. We'll leave it up to the test of time. Verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, diamonds, rubies, if you build with the precious stuff, but some will build with wood, hay, and straw. Oh, I know the pastor says like this, but I'm going to do like this. The church says like this, but I'm going to do that. As I know better, I had a family come into me years ago. I said, no boyfriend and girlfriend. We said that. Safe structure. Safe, inhabitable places. And so they went to a school down south, and, and they said, oh, we know the church has these pet peeves and all this stuff, but my son is a special son. I'm going to let him have a girlfriend. 
Six months into this relationship, the staff called in the parents. Your son is about to get this. No, this girl is about to get your son, her pregnant. Figure that one out. The girl was so on top of their son that the administration called them in and says, look, it's just a matter of time. But this thing is going buck wild, and you guys are going to have egg on your face. It's not the season. It's not the time for this young man to be involved in these affairs. Thank God for second, third, and fourth chances. Thank God that God speaks one time, another, and another, and another. And they pulled back, and they saved their son. Thank God. Here, you build how you want. I want to tell the congregation that in this house, there are some people that are building with gold. They got the gold standard. They're doing exactly what they're told when they're told. And then there's some people building with hay. Hey, goodbye. It's just a matter of time. You decide how you build. You can build with gold, silver, and precious stones. These things, when you enter into trial, become more precious. When fire lights them up, they don't perish. They're not called the burn pile. They're, they're called the precious resistance of fire pile. They're living with excellence of gold, silver, and precious stones. And listen, don't be, don't be bothered by the fact that you're building next to people that are building fast and furious without any inspection. Anybody know that in Miami? <laughs> Addition, uh, what are they called? Uh, efficiencies of uh, 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 one family dwelling there's five families in there they just they're just doing their all their thing what are you doing i'm cuban i'm cuban that's the answer i'm from the caribbean we don't have these rules we don't have these regulations we don't have we don't believe in inspectors good life good life paul says listen be careful how you build I'm giving a red flag warning in our church because it's getting so big. Some people are flying by the seat of their pants. And it's totally opposite than how I built my house and my life and my family and my spiritual integrity. So that I tell people all the time, you want the fruit? You got to sow the seed. You need to pay the price. You're not going to reap where you didn't sow. You're not going to be able to, to lay claim to gold, silver, and stones when you built with wood, hay, and straw. Paul continues on to say, be careful. I don't know how you're building, but be careful. 1 Peter 1.7. The genuineness of your faith will be much more precious when you build with gold, which doesn't perish. Though it's tested through time, purified by fire, it will be found in the result of praise and glory and honor. If you build right, you're going to have praise, glory, and honor. If you build wrong, you build fast, you build with hay, you build with straw, you're putting things together, twigs and, and anything you find and whatever is easiest. And, and this is the way that we just do it in my family. Uh, okay. Okay. That's fine. I just want to make sure that I'm not responsible. That I'm not responsible. But as the Bible says in verse... 13, 1 Corinthians 3, 13, each one's work will be clearly seen for what it is. Each one's work is going to clearly be seen for what it is. As, as time goes by, what you have is the fruit of how you've built. And each one's will be tested what sort it is made out of. All these to say that as we perceive these things, in the book of Ezekiel chapter 13, there was an episode where God rebukes his people. Verse 10, it is definitely because they have seduced my people saying, yeah, there's no problems with what you're building. Peace and peace. 
Um, but it says, peace and peace. And one builds a wall and they plaster it with untempered mortar. They're putting plaster up there without cement. They're not mixing the cement. They're not doing the mix like they should. They're using more sand than they are cement. And he says, and they're building up their lives with untempered mortar. That means it's not going to withstand the test of time. It's not. It's just going to fall. And God is upset. Verse 11, he says, because indeed you induced my people to build fast, say to those who plaster it when it has no cement, that's going to fall. It's going to fall. Because on the outside, Everything looks nice, but there's nothing putting it together. And God sees it. There will be a flood, rain, and you, O great hailstone, shall fall, and the storms of wind shall tear it down. There's no structural integrity. You were pretending the whole time. Verse 12, how are you building? Surely when the wall has fallen, will it not be said to you, why didn't you use cement before you plastered it? On the outside, it looks good. On the inside, it's rotten. Termites eating the wood. Verse 13. Therefore, thus says the Lord, I will cause a storm to break forth in my fury, and there shall be a flooding rain in my anger and great hailstones. When we talk to people about building right, they say, Pastor, you're cursing me. No, I'm not, my friend. Because I tell you that you're being a foolish person and building with crapola. And then you have the consequences of your lame construction. Don't say I cursed you. Repent and say, God, I didn't build like you wanted me to. You were there early in my life, preparing me for the latter days. You told me, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, a wise man hears my words and does them. He shall be like one who, Matthew 7, 24, who built, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will like him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. He built on a foundation, verse 25. When the rains came and the floods rose and the winds blew, that house did not fall for it was founded on the rock. Verse 26. However, when a foolish man, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them not, I have a better opinion. I have a a better perspective. I'm judging things in a way that's cool. And does them not. He will be like a foolish man who builds on the sand. Verse 27, when the winds blow, the rains fall, and the floods rise, that house fell, and great was its fall. It's ruin. It's, nobody's going to, I tell people all the time when, when I'm, I'm saying, listen, I'm concerned. And you know something? I shouldn't be concerned. I shouldn't tell you anything. But because of the love of God. I reach out to give you an opinion. Not that you get mad. Not that you think that I'm critical. I'm concerned. You're building without cement. You're plastering and saying everything is good and hunky-dory. And these things are going to come down and your structure is gone. Faulty foundations, makeshift homes. They said that the three things that mess with, with homes are earthquakes, hurricanes, fire, and flood. Four things. These abandoned structures are the safe haven for vagrants and criminals. 
That's where they harbor. They love to live in these places that are about to collapse. They're hazardous structures. They're imminently dangerous. You should get away from people who are building half-shod, half-shod construction spiritual lives. Don't be around those people. In Jesus' name, let's stand. Father, thank you for this day you've made. Thank you for the word of the Lord and the house of the Lord from the man of God. We pray that we would take these things and reflect upon them and consider ourselves, those who take these things serious, with all due reverence, with all due passion, humility. We pray that we might do things your way, O oh God, that we might establish your order and not fly by the seat of our pants in a manner which is careless and reckless and dangerous. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen, amen, amen. Greet each other in the love of the Lord.